Ryan O'Blenis joins us because, hey, we got a big commit in Mike Schumbeeler. What else can we expect for signing day? And then, hey, we're going to recap a big junior day that just wrapped up in East Lansing. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners. Hey, it is a commitment episode here on Locked on Spartans because Mike Schoenbeeler, just two days ahead of the second signing period for football, he pledges to the green and white. But before we get into, it, get into all that, hey, it's Ryan O'Blenis of Spartans Illustrated. He does all things recruiting there. Go subscribe to the wonderful people at Spartans Illustrated. Ryan, what does this commitment of Mike Schoenbeeler mean to our Michigan State Spartans? Well, it's pretty significant because if you look at the 2024 class, I think probably the biggest glaring need was interior defensive lineman or defensive tackle. Um, and then this is a kid who has like 30-plus offers. Um you know, he didn't sign anywhere during the early period. He's from Chicago, so, you know, it's not too far away from home for him. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he, he's a big dude, I think like 280 pounds um, and, you know, six foot two, six foot three. So he's, you know, somebody who I think actually has a little bit of versatility on the defensive line. You know, he's going to play in the interior most likely, but he's also, mm -hmm. I, I think he could be somebody like a three tech kind of like, be able to rush the passer from the inside, also be well-versed in stopping the run. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it was definitely much needed for MSU that, you know, the Spartans were clearly targeting some sort of in, uh, interior defensive lineman, um, you know, that the, the previous regime didn't really do them <laughs> you know, a lot of favors in recruiting in that regard. No. So, yeah, I mean, huge <laughs> for depth and moving forward. Yeah, we had an episode on that last week when things were trending in the right direction for Mike Schumbeil or Dimitri Nicholas, the guy that we'll get to here in a, in a quick second. But if anyone missed the episode last week, I'll do the Spark Notes version. Guys, Ryan is not kidding when he says the last regime. For you know, as, as good as they did on the recruiting trail, they did bring in some talent here. The defensive line was not one of those position groups they had because not only did they just get one commit of the interior defensive line in the last three years. Guys, they only had seven official visitors that were interior defensive linemen in the last three years. Not good. For this fall, like, no one's concerned about the defensive line. Derek Harmon, Simeon Barrow, Daquan Douse, Maverick Hansen, it's going to be fine. But when those guys leave and Jonathan Smith is going to be looking around the defensive tackle room, he's going to be saying, like, what, what did the last staff do? do here in this position so yes this was a position of emphasis and right just like you said pretty versatile guy six foot three 280 pounds he could lose 20 pounds if he wants to play the edge i imagine they'll actually have him tack on a little bit of weight to play that interior but over at simeon in the chicago land area 45 tackles 18 for loss nine sacks in his senior year so uh th this is welcome here as well there's not a lot of spots left in this class for scholarship allotment here but yeah, they, they have to have this defensive line locked down. Safe to say, safe to say that this is the position of emphasis here in the wee hours leading up to signing day, Ryan. Yeah, I think so. I mean, 
you look at, you know, like you said, there's only a few more spots that they have available to fill. Um, and, you know, it's possible that two of them are going to be spent on defensive tackles. So, yeah, definitely, a, you know, big position of needs, something that the staff had to put an emphasis on on this late signing period. And one of those other guys, Dimitri Nicholas, we've talked about him a little bit in previous uh, episodes, but this is a guy that is verbally committed to Auburn. The people down at Auburn that I've talked to, They'd be shocked if he ends up actually signing there. He did take a visit to Michigan State the day after he took his visit to Michigan State. Hey, Penn State threw an offer out there too. So it's going to be a little bit of a contest for Dimitri Nicholas. But Ryan, should Michigan State fans be feeling okay about this as we go into signing day? Or where do we stand with Dimitri Nicholas, the other defensive tackle in this class? Yeah, I'd say feeling pretty good, you know, talking uh, talking to sources. I haven't actually been able to get a hold of, of Nicholas myself, but, you know, sources within the program, sources, uh, you know, at Rivals, close to, you know, our Southeast uh, guys and, and close to his recruitment and stuff. You know, they said, like you said, um, they'd be surprised if he ends up signing with Auburn. And, you know, also that Michigan State's, um, you know, looking pretty good here, so. We'll see. I don't, you know, I don't know for sure. This isn't set in stone by any means um, that I know of, but I definitely think that there's a very good chance he's going to end up signing with Michigan State. That kind of reflects the whole, you know, Jonathan Smith recruiting era so far. I know it's only been two months, a little over two months now at this point, but saved a lot of face during the early signing period. But now, yeah, he's coming in just like we talked about really, really honed in on a position of need here in the future and got two defensive tackles potentially, for this class. So you could feel pretty good about that if you're a Michigan State fan, because again, that is a position that was completely neglected. I'm not quite sure what Dyron Reynolds did last year. It, it really says a lot that Mark D'Antonio had a bigger impact on the program last year than Dyron Reynolds did in, in his one year there. I know it's very mean to say those words are coming from me, not you, Ryan. You're much more diplomatic than I am, but like, what? How did it get to this point? But luckily, Jonathan Smith is doing what he can to kind of dig Michigan State out of that hole that would have been a problem long-term for a defensive tackle. I know there's transfer portal options, but hey, the, the correct way to do it here is just homegrown, developing through your own system. But I digress. We're, we're done railing on it because it could be sunnier days ahead here for the defensive tackle position. Now, there's not a lot of drama for signing day, Okay. There is just one shred of it, though, and that is Jaden Walker from Portage, Michigan, linebacker. Yes, he is verbally committed to Michigan State. Lincoln Riley and the USC brass did an in-home visit last December. He's very uh, comfy with the Trojans. As we head into Wednesday here, Ryan, is your guess as good as anyone else's, or where do things sit with three-star linebacker Jaden Walker here? Yeah, I mean, the latest I'm hearing as of today is that it's truly 50-50. Um, Nobody actually knows what he wants to do. Uh, I know things have been trending toward USC online uh, on certain other sites and stuff like that. Uh, But, you know, talking to sources around him today, they they say, you know, really, my guess is as good as theirs. Um, You know, it's truly 50-50. And, uh, you know, with that said, I did talk to to Jaden today briefly and he said that his mind is made up he knows where he wants to go um but he's not sharing that until wednesday um you know obviously i'm not going to press him about that that's his business sure. prerogative, and you know it's obviously been a very difficult process and decision i'm sure for him um you know there's a big huge thing for these 17 year old kids who got to pick you know where they want to go play in college and you know right. if you're saying, going to play at usc on the other side of the country you know that's a big decision so 
Um, but yeah, he, you know, I th- he's taking his time with, with his family and he's decided what he wants to do and everybody else will find out Wednesday. Um, you know, Michigan state would obviously love to keep him in the fold. Uh, he's an in-state prospect, um, who, you know, committed the day before Mel Tucker got suspended. That's, <laughs> that's brutal timing, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Poor kid. Yeah. And he, but you know, he, that's what he was waiting for for his whole recruitment up to that point was that offer from Michigan State. As soon as that happened, you know, he committed. And yeah. so, but then USC came along, Lincoln Riley, Deanne Lynn, the new defensive coordinator, immediately made him a priority. I think he's a good fit in Lynn's defense. Um, as you mentioned, they came in and did an in-home visit. I'm, I'm, I think they visited his school multiple times. So yeah, right. it's not easy for them to get to. For doing no kidding. <laughs> right. So, they're clearly been putting a lot of emphasis on him and making him a priority and making him feel good. Michigan State, though, has been doing the same thing. They got him back up for for an unofficial visit recently. They've been going to his school often. Um, you know, he told me Joe Rossi is somebody that he really believes could develop him and, and get him where he needs to be, and he really likes Rossi. So <sighs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. So that's nice to have, uh, you know, a, a little bit of excitement on signing day, whether it, you know, turns out good for the Spartans, whatever. Um, they still do have a really solid linebacker in this class, Brady Pretzlaff. Not to talk about a Spartans Illustrated competitor, but the fine folks over at On3, they are very high in Brady Pretzlaff, actually. They have him ranked as the number nine linebacker recruit in the nation. Like, they, they are sky high on Brady Pretzlaff. So if it does work out for Jaden Walker, it's not like the defensive tackle position where you're wondering, oh, God, where is everyone? Like, Michigan State is in good standing. Well, incredible statement with Brady Pretzlaff. He's already on campus uh, with another linebacker. Uh, we're going to get to some future recruiting, 2025, because that's just a year we're talking about now. But first, Ryan, I hate to do this to you. Such a nice guy. But I got to send you to the bench because I need to talk to people's ears off about Fan Duel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Happy Super Bowl to all those who celebrate from Fan Duel. Like I said, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, placing some super bets. And that is my favorite part of Super Bowl Sunday. Sure, the commercials are fun. Yeah, the camaraderie is fine, but really. It's all about placing some wagers. And I got one that I really like this morning on FanDuel. It is for Brandon Ayuk to have more receiving yards than Chiefs wide receiver Rashi Rice. Ayuk, slight underdog at plus 110. That is one of uh, potentially hundreds of props available on FanDuel. You will, oh, God, you will collapse when you open up your FanDuel app and see how many bets you can make with FanDuel. They have hooked it up this Super Bowl. And not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers gets even sweeter for you. Join today, and you will receive $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And let's drag the one, the only Ryan O'Blennis back onto the show here because before we get to Junior Day, which Michigan State just wrapped up, a lot of Midwest talent. Is there anything else that we're missing from signing day? Uh, Jalen Brown, receiver out of Texas, he'll sign. Martin Connington, the kicker uh, out of Idaho, he will sign. Any any other drama, or are we ready to flip the page to 2025 <laughs> recruiting talk? Yeah, I mean, you know, there could always end up being signing day surprises, but yeah, the, you know, those are all the names that I'm monitoring right now. You know, Brown, Connington, Beeler, Nicholas Walker. Um, you know, Keona Wilhite was, was a guy. Oh, yeah? 
who got out of his um, you know, national letter of intent at Washington after Kalen DeBoer left as head coach. He took an official visit to Michigan State. Um, you know, he really liked the visit to MSU, uh, but, you know, then he went to Nebraska. He also, had, you know, has been in heavy contact with UCLA, and right now that seems to be where he's trending to go. Gotcha. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, we talked out. It feels like it's months ago now that we talked about Keanu Wilhite. I mean, I have no concept of time anymore, but no, thank you for uh, adding that and where he is trending right now. So as we are almost flipping the page beyond 2024, 2025 is already hot in the streets, Ryan, especially in East Lansing. Over the weekend, they had a big junior day, a lot of prospects onto campus. And just for a quick breakdown right now, 40 kids from the state of Michigan and 11 from the state of Ohio visited East Lansing. I got those numbers from Spartans Illustrated. You were updating that forum feverishly. So thank you very much for the hard work you've been doing over there. But is that just safe to say that this is kind of where recruiting is going to be going here? Is it going to be more of a Midwest style like the days of Mark D'Antonio? Was this just a way of Jonathan Smith getting himself acclimated with some names and faces here in the Midwest? Or how do you read that invite list that was just so Michigan, Ohio, and there's some Indiana too, like just Midwest dominant. How do you read into all that? Yeah, I think there ended up being like over a hundred kids on campus or something yeah. incredible. Um, but yeah, so it was a heavy emphasis on, Michigan, Ohio, you know, like you said, even some Indiana, um, you know, the Midwest in general. But yeah, so one thing that Jonathan Smith said, um, you know, right after he did his introductory press conference, he there was a media scrum that I was at, um, and he said, there's a lot of talent in this area here in Michigan and Ohio and the Midwest. The best way for, for us to build our team is through this four-hour radius where you can just get in a car and drive anywhere within a four hour radius and find talent and recruit them. And so that appeared, I mean, that wasn't just lip service. That's what he <laughs> right. is doing. Um, so many of the recruits mentioned this to me specifically about how the previous regime kind of neglected Michigan and Ohio, um, yeah. you know, outside of the, the real top talent maybe. Um, and so, you know, they were like, yeah, I, I didn't know if Michigan state was even going to recruit me, uh, but coach, Smith, uh, you know, Grant Bierman, kid from Ohio, linebacker, really got a ton of offers, over 20. He he really hammered this point home of, of how much emphasis that four-hour radius uh, is going to be that Jonathan Smith, like, you know, broke it down to him, explained, like, this is how we want to build our team through the Midwest. You know, obviously, they're still going to go. They have a lot of West Coast connections. Um, yeah, right. And, you know, there's always talent in the South, and they're going to go wherever they can go to find talent and try to bring them in, but... I think how they actually want to build the foundation of their team is going to be that Midwest uh, area. And, you know, I, I think uh, this is going to be a bad buzzword to use probably for a lot of fans, bad memories. But when you talk about relentless recruiting, hey, hey. the staff <laughs> is actually doing that. Yeah. Um, they keep, they, they put their heads down. They're not about like buzzwords really, you know, they're, they're not about all the hype. They're about substance from what I am, able to glean so far, you know, talking to all these recruits who were there, you know, this past weekend who have been recruited by the new staff and just, you know, trying to build more relationships with people within the program and getting to know them better. And, you know, um, but, you know, they have a really, really good recruiting staff led by Cole Moore, Michael Doctor, all these guys behind the scenes that you probably don't hear a lot about mm -hmm. who are doing excellent work um, establishing themselves. And I think, you brought it up too. Uh, another big thing too with these junior days, 
you know, most of these kids aren't going to end up at Michigan State. A lot of them aren't even going to get offers, these local kids. Mm-hmm. But what they want to do is, is build relationships with these high schools, with the coaches, get these kids on campus, let them know that. And, and while they're there, treat them just like they would be a scholarship player. Treat them just like anybody else. Um, and you never know what could happen. Maybe they do end up being really good. And, and you have that early connection and relationship with them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of all of the above, but no, that's not lip service. They do want to build that way through the Midwest and then go out and also find talent on the West Coast and the South, you know, Mid-South, yeah. wherever it might be that they think can help their team. But I think the majority of, of the recruiting classes moving forward, you're going to see a heavy emphasis on the Midwest. What, what whiplash just from, you know, where we were with Mark Antonio. And then, okay, Mel Tucker. And now here we are, Jonathan Smith. I think it is going to be like a perfect middle here. Like, is it going to be draped with five stars and four stars? Like, guys, I, I would love that. Probably not. But the, the mix is that it's going to be a national sport from here on out, whether that's the Big Ten expansion, whether that's just the connections Jonathan Smith has around the nation. But just like you said, Ryan, and just like one of the guys that visited campus, uh, four-star defensive end Xavier Newsom, who really didn't get much – Michigan State attention, despite he's a four-star defensive end for Martin Luther King in Detroit. Like, they're going to start paying attention to that four-hour radius, those plan A guys, if you remember that buzzword from Mark D'Antonio's era. But, man, it's fascinating times uh, for Michigan State. Kind of going along with the four-stars, though. Like you said, not all these guys are going to get Michigan State offers. A lot of this is just networking. But, of course, a certain portion of this is getting these big names on campus. There were four 2005 four-stars on campus, as far as I know. Maybe you'll correct this, but four-star defensive end, Xavier Newsom. Four-star outside linebacker, Dante McClellan from Ohio. Four-star offensive tackle, Avery Gatch from Michigan. And then four-star safety, Alex Graham, who's from Michigan, but now plays at IMG in Florida, so we'll call him a Michigan kid for all intents and purposes. Of those four, is there anywhere you're looking at it's being like, huh, he's actually is talking really highly about Michigan State, and it isn't just saying nice things because they had them out for junior day. Like, how do you read the four stars in the room? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, so it's kind of hard to say right now. Like, I don't want to say, you know, Michigan State leads with this kid already or something mm-hmm. like that. There's still a long way to go in these kids. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of them that I have talked to just said, you know, how well that junior day was run and how – Elijah Dotson's a three-star, um, but he was, you know, on Rivals anyway. Uh, but he was a kid. He, he was at U of D. Now he just transferred to Belleville, um, who, you know, he told me he grew up watching Michigan State all last year. He was hoping to get a, a Michigan State offer, the, but for some reason the last staff just didn't make him a priority, never offered. Um, and, and Michigan came and swooped in, and he visited there multiple times, and I think – you know, gotcha. they're on his list now, but now with this new staff and um, under Jonathan Smith, you know, Dotson is really interested again in Michigan State. And, you know, the whole time last year I was thinking, like, well, why haven't they offered this kid? I watched him play at seven-on-sevens and stuff, super athletic, really good players, got all these other offers. You know, Michigan's interested, Penn State's interested, all these other schools have offered. Um, you know, I wasn't sure what exactly the holdup was as soon as Smith and company got to – to East Lansing, you know, they offered him. And, and that was something Dodson told me, too. He was like, you know, I, I can see a big difference between this staff and the last staff and how things are operated and, you know, how they're making them feel like a priority and how transparent they are. And, um, you know, that he he he's going, he sees Smith turning this program around very quickly. Um, they know how to win. 
they proved it, yeah. you know, at, at Oregon State, which was a program with much less resources. And um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's definitely a thing that we have to pay attention to moving forward with these four stars in the state and these three stars and these highly rated recruited guys. You know, obviously Michigan's coming off of a national championship. They're still mm-hmm. going to be a huge threat for any Michigan kid that they want. And, yeah. even, you know, after the coaching change, but um, I think, you know, Smith and, and his staff are going to be able to, to try to level the playing field a little bit more soon. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to, to connect with some more of those four guys we were talking about and get some quotes and some reactions from them. Uh, you know, I have a, have some questions out to a few of them that I'm waiting to respond on or some of my guys do, but it's definitely something that we're paying attention to. Gotcha. And well, there you have it. I mean, anything else that you want to add before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your day? Anything you want to plug here that you got cooking over at Spartans Illustrated? No, just come, uh, come subscribe over and, you know, we got all the recruiting coverage. We got basketball coverage. You know, the, the content never stops flowing on our side. We got gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah, we cover everything Michigan State related. So if, if it's going down in East Lansing and requires a scoreboard, uh, it's going to be written about on Spartans Illustrated. Shout out to the gymnastics team, by the way. Absolutely wiping the floor with Michigan in Chrysler Center or Arena. I forgot what they call it. But like, hey, let's go. Read about it at Spartans Illustrated. Read about everything at Spartans Illustrated. So, Ryan, really do appreciate your time, man. You're always the best. Appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. We will be back in a hot second. Talk a little bit of shooty hoops before this basketball game, 9 p.m. in Minneapolis. Oh, God. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts i'll say that again over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you will always find exactly what you are looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every single time or it's your money back because with ebay motors you are burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win so what are you waiting for keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply ebay guaranteed fit only available to you as customers now we're going to talk a little bit about this basketball game 9 p.m on tuesday but just really quick want to go to the mailbag here at locked on spartans at gmail.com this goes back to a conversation that we had with spencer mclaughlin of locked on college football and we got into hey did Michigan State's new head coach, Jonathan Smith, jump too early at the first gig? It was a good back-and-forth banter, and of course, a lot of State fans had some things to say about it. But there was one emailer that I wanted to point out here, Trey. He wrote in on the Friday episode where he talked about Jonathan Smith jumping to MSU potentially too soon. The one point I was hoping you touch on during your conversation was giving Alan Haller more credit for making the hire happen when it did before other bigger jobs presented themselves. Uh, Haller probably knew since last summer that he'd be hiring a new coach at some point after the season, so it stands to reason that he had more ducks in a row than any other AD out there to get the right guy over here before anyone else could take them. Spot on, Trey. That That is 100% spot on. We've talked uh, about Alan Haller during the whole process, how he knocked it out of the park a few months ago when the hire actually did happen. But definitely should have reemphasized that in the conversation with Spencer McLaughlin because what Spencer was talking about, if you missed that show, 
that, huh, I wonder if Jonathan Smith wishes that he waited around a little bit longer to see if the Washington job ever opened up. And of course, it was a whole hindsight is 2020 thing. It's very hard to tell that, huh? The greatest college football coach of all time is going to step down. And the guy that replaces him is from Washington, a place where I was an offensive coordinator here for a little bit. Or, I mean, if you want to look around at UCLA, Chip Kelly openly shopping himself for NFL teams for an offensive coordinator role. Like maybe he goes coach, maybe goes to coach where he was born and raised over there in Pasadena, California. So, yes, that is a very important point we have to make because Alan Haller just does not get enough credit for that. Uh, part of that was my fault during Friday's conversation. But, yes, Alan Haller should always be praised for how he handled that hiring, even without, even without the Washington job opening. Like, th- this was done so quick, so seamless, and you got one of the top guys, if not the top guy, depending who you ask, in the open job market. So before we go further into the week, just wanted to hit on that. Again, lockonspartans at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments on the show. So thank you very much, Trey. And also, hey, thank you very much, Alan Haller, for getting the job done. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about this basketball game. It's Minnesota. We've seen them already this year. A little bit of a slog of a game until the very end when they played at Breslin Center. Michigan State won 76-66. And Tom Izzo spoke a little bit about Minnesota today at his press conference. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of, yeah, Minnesota has just about as good of a starting five as anyone else in the Big Ten. And he's not too far off base there. Dawson Garcia, who gave Michigan State over 20 points the last time they met, one of the best players in the conference. So, it's going to be another difficult game because this one is obviously going to be on the road. Oh, God. A little frightened. However, the fine folks at BartTorvik.com, they have Michigan State as a five-point favorite. They project a 71-66 to point victory for Michigan State. Hopefully, you get a little bit more Jaden Akins than you did the last time these two teams met. He went over 5 from 3, but... Hey, it seems to be uh, his shot is coming along here, especially if you want to go ahead and look at what happened last Tuesday. So this will be a stressful one. We've talked even about this in the offseason that, like, they're going to lose some random BS game that tips off at 9 p.m. on ESPN2. And <laughs> you look, at, look who's playing on a random Tuesday at 9 p.m. It's Michigan State going on the road against a, a solid Minnesota team. And we have seen so far this year how hard it is to win on the road in this conference. Now, since the two teams met, since the Gophers came to Breslin Center, they've had three games. Pretty impressive showing in their three games. A two-point loss against Wisconsin at home. That was an, that was old-school Big Ten basketball, 61-59. to They chased that with a nine-point win on the road at Penn State and then beat a really good Northwestern team at home in overtime on Saturday. So there you have it, 9 p.m. We do want to hit on something else Tom Izzo talked about during the press conference, and go ahead. I I know this is aggressive to do midday on a Monday when Tom Izzo said this, but you got to finish your drink, guys. Those are the rules of this drinking game because he said that he has got to get Xavier Booker going and he's got to get Cohen Carr going. I know we've talked about this ad nauseum, and I know you're probably sick of hearing my take on the whole Xavier Booker experiment. You're probably sick of hearing about a lot of people's take on Xavier Booker because this is just a storyline that will not go away. Our friends over at Sleepers Media, Carter Elliott, Greg Waddell, they had a tweet after the Maryland game where Xavier Booker, hey, guess what? After Thomas said he's going to get him more minutes, logged zero points. So, yes, they... Stirred up a frenzy. If you're a loser like me and you spend all your time on the internet, you know precisely what I'm talking about. But yes, people are getting very, 
passionate, I guess we could say, about the Xavier Booker storyline. And for one reason and one reason only, it just continues to be a storyline because of Tom Izzo. You cannot go more than two weeks without the head coach saying, well, we got to get him more minutes. We got to get him going. Well, golly gee, uh, if, the, if only that came down to one person who decides how much a certain player plays. And it kind of stoked itself last week because Demetric Booker, Twitter account, you could presume that is his mother, says something along the lines of, it's not the lack of playing that he has a problem with, it's the line two that he has an issue with. And I've heard a hypothesize that, hey, maybe Tom Izzo says every week or two weeks that Xavier Booker's going to get more minutes. we got to get him into the game more. The, the, the theory is that maybe he's saying that to keep Booker more engaged, to sway him to be more happy and staying here in the offseason. It's like, I, I'm not sure if I agree with that because you know what's worse than not ever playing a kid? Which, by the way, I agree with. You've heard my take on this. I do not think he's ready. I do not think he has a winning option right now in his career as we are in must-win basketball territory. But you know what's even worse than giving him zero burgers or just playing him four minutes in garbage time? It's telling not just him, but the public that he is going to be playing more and then not playing him a single second. Like, I think that's more damaging than anything else that's been going on. So I know I get it. I've said it. I know you're probably sick of hearing my thoughts on it. But when it's still being talked about by the guy in charge and the fan base then reacts to it. What am I going to do? Sit on the sidelines and not talk about it? No, of course, you're, you're going to hear me just talk about this a little bit more. But yeah, I'm a. Uh, I'm really, I'm just really sick and tired of this. It's either don't play him and just say he's not ready. Let's just be honest. Let's have an honest dialogue. Let's try that for once. Uh, or just actually play him. I mean, again, I don't think it's a winning option right now. But then again, it, would it be so detrimental to play him seven minutes? I that, That's up for you to decide, coach. And by the way, you keep talking. Why don't you just do it for once? <laughs> um, uh, I love Tom Izzo. I truly do. One of my favorite humans of all time. Love him like a family member. But, oh, my God, this is just <laughs> round and round we go again with the Xavier Booker dialogue of saying, oh, yeah, we're going to play him more. We got to get him going. That's that's your decision. That's, that's, that's entirely on you. And then you don't do it the next game. So let's just stop talking about it. And we'll save everyone some sanity here. All right, gang. We will be back tomorrow after the game. We're going to break this down. We're going to talk anything football news that breaks here with Connorable Downey. It's going to be another hoot and a half. And you guys know that when Connorable Downey joins a post-game show, oh, God, usually the game didn't go all too well. I will reemphasize this, though. Bart Torvik has Michigan State projected as a 71-66 to winner. So just want to get everyone out the door with some optimism there. All right, until then, guys, love you all. Go Green.